0: God told me to tell you this. That's paganism. Do you
1: really expect and anticipate that the divine voice of God can be heard by
0: you? That's horoscope reading.
2: Standing in the office
0: of the prophet of God. That's reading tea leaves.
2: You can't have a relationship to God if you can't hear
0: God. That is not
2: biblical Christianity. You want to hear God speak to you? Read your Bible. If you want to hear God speak to you audibly, read it out loud. I promise you,
0: 100% guaranteed, you will hear him speak. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel.
2: Not one, not two, not three, but four Gordian Knots. This is Wretched Radio. You know, some Christian talk shows, they might on occasion have a Gordian Knot. Rarely will you see a Christian talk show having two Gordian Knots. This one has four of them. You say, what's a Gordian knot? I say, ask Alexander the Great. 300 and something plus change BC. The man who could untie an actual physical knot from an ox cart would become the ruler. What did Alexander the Great do? Takes out his sword and cuts through it. (laughs) That's one way of Untying a knot. Now you can't use the rope again in the future, but the point is we adopted the term and said any entanglement, any sort of situation that is complex, we will say it is akin to a Gordian knot, philosophically, if you will. I have four of them for your consideration. Jimmy, our first Gordian knot. Uh-huh. I I think that you uh have already reported this story, and I could be wrong but I'm not because I'm a talk show host. (laughs) You took a little bit of a, well, let's just say a beating on this one. You must have commented on the story of the restaurant in Georgia that decided to put a $50 fine onto the bill of a family that they thought wasn't actually Uh, helping their kids to behave rightly.
1: People didn't like my comment.
2: What was your comment?
1: How did you untie this knot? All I said, was I told the story and I said, Okay, I can see both sides of the issue, but sometimes we just got to let kids be kids.
2: There it is. <laughs> right there. That's where you blew it, right there. <laughs> okay. Letting kids be kids. They're totally depraved sinners. Ah. Uh, have you have you sir ever waited on tables? I have not. Have you ever bussed tables? No. You see this might change your tune you ever you ever looked underneath the table of a family that, whose kids are totally out of control <laughs> no it is a mess any dog on the planet would be like i'll take those crumbs thank you they may just make a massive mess and then the staff has to come along and spend a whole lot of time cleaning it up this restaurant said nope you can't control your kids here's an extra line on your ticket on your way out the door now it's a controversial story nobody knows exactly what happened in this particular situation it's a rather rural restaurant in georgia which is pretty much all of georgia rural they decided hey if you can't parent your kid then we're going to find you 50 bucks now see i have a different issue with the story the restaurant gets the 50 bucks what about all of the people who have been agitated?
1: That's a good point.
2: Huh? You're going <laughs> to distribute that 50? Now we're talking. That's how you might be able to get everybody on your side. Yeah, Jimmy, I, I, when you said kids will be kids, do you mean let them run around uncontrolled? Uh, no, I don't
1: mean that exactly. But I mean, just sometimes we just got to let kids be kids. I mean,
2: kids In are going appropriate to appropriate places. Well, maybe so. Maybe so. Okay, see, I can see, you know, a kid squawks. So, you know, sometimes a kid, they're tired, they're hungry, whatever the issue is. I think we need to be patient for that. But if we're going to love our neighbors as ourselves, shouldn't we keep those little totally depraved sinners under control for the love of others?
1: Well, that's there. there's another side to that. If we're going to love our neighbors as ourselves, shouldn't we put up with it?
2: Oh, yeah. You know what? To a degree, we should, but then it does, but that nevertheless begs, and I don't mean Alistair, that begs the question, what is appropriate behavior for anybody in a public setting? So, Jimmy, for instance, what is, you go to your favorite, you go to the barbecue restaurant because you're a barbecue guy. Right. All right. If I were in the restaurant being out of control, would you just love me and overlook it? No, I'd probably talk about you under my breath. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's the difference in between kids and adults? Yeah, there's probably no difference at all, but um, I, you're just not gonna back down.
1: I, I, well, I can I see both sides of it. I do, I do.
2: So, I see a kid that can squawk, make some noise, but getting up, running around, or the what gets me is when the parent just sits there, oblivious, as if. There isn't a sound in the world, They're just their own voice. When the kid's sitting there squawking and banging and throwing and mewling, like, come on, mom and dad. That's your job is to teach them how to behave. We recognize that behavior isn't acceptable in a public place because we grow out of that. Rarely do you see a 40-year-old. Let me know when that gets on your nerves. So wouldn't that the same be for a four-year-old? And it's the parent's responsibility to get it under control. We're trying to eat here, and the prices are outrageous enough already. Apparently, we're going to disagree on this one.
1: Well, that's okay.
2: (laughs) That's okay. You have every right to be really wrong. And I respect that about you, Jimmy. Thank you. I'm committed to being wrong. And you do it so well. Got to... (laughs) Got to give credit where credit is due. I'm a Barnabas kind of guy. All right, Jimmy, how's about this? The restaurant has every right to create whatever rules they want to discriminate against parents who let their kids be kids and ruin everybody's meal. Uh, They absolutely do. (laughs) So I say if they want to, the public will make that decision. Right. I, I suspect You might be very busy at about four in the afternoon when all the seniors come to eat. But probably not many families are going to go to that if they feel like they could get slapped with a fine. All right. And if there's going to be a fine, though, there should be some rules. What exactly qualifies as good behavior of a child in a restaurant? Now, on the one hand, you have Jimmy's extreme of letting them run around like little terrorists. (laughs) I didn't say that. On the other hand, you've got my extreme. Let's just eat your food, your chicken fingers, and be seen and not heard. That's right. Don't move. Gotta, Don't breathe. You got to define what the rules are. But I think a restaurant, if that's what they want to do, well, the public will decide. That's kind of the premise behind this free market capitalism that we used to have in this country. Guardian, Knot, number two. Jimmy, did you see the video? It was in San Fernando. Right wingers at least according to the headline individual parents who painted signs to block the San Fernando library entrance because a drag queen story time was going to be performed and they blocked pickle the drag queen yeah no i didn't
1: see the video but i saw the story
2: pickle the drag queen <laughs> <laughs> never expected when signing up to do christian radio that i'd be uttering the words pickle the drag queen <laughs> with any sort of seriousness. So they made signs. They blocked the exit. Police were there. Nobody got arrested. And Pickle, the drag queen. here. Now, here's here's the good news about this story. Whether you think that this was appropriate for the, the parents to block the entrance or not, Jimmy, this was really great. Uh, Pickle, the drag queen, being blocked from having access to children and grooming them left the library, and went down the street to the nursing home and taught the senior citizens about Uh, how they're supposed to be tolerant and accepting.
1: Oh, I bet that went well.
2: And they didn't do that. (laughs) They never do that. Just always the children that seem to get exposed to this stuff. So Pickle the Drag Queen gets blocked, and there's a couple of components to the story that I do believe make it a bit of a Gordian knot for Christians. We do want to protect children, don't we? We should. And as a community, which we seem to be lacking these days, because we have no rallying point anymore, nevertheless, aren't we called upon as Christians to protect children? Now it starts with my own children, and then it expands, I think, in concentric circles, working its way out as much as we can possibly have any sort of influence. but protecting kids, it's a good thing. having pickle the drag queen. Go ahead and just say that with me pickle come on jimmy pickle Pickle the drag queen kind of it's kind of (laughs) fun in a i'm sick to my stomach kind of (laughs) way that's right fun that, that that we that we should be willing to speak out against things like this the where it gets a little bit tricky and gordian not like is this is a public library and i think that's tricky for two reasons number one It's a public place, and you're the public. But it also means that the public has access to using it. Furthermore, these parents that were standing there, not all of them, some of them were just standing with signs blocking the entrance. Others were yelling at Pickle. To those of us who know Pickle the drag queen, we are kind of on a first-name basis. So they're yelling at Pickle, basically calling him a pervert, and stay away, you pervert. I think that line is pretty easy for the Christian. I don't think that's necessary. I, I, I think that we can describe those activities biblically. Calling somebody a name, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even think that context allows that and certainly doesn't demand it. It would be as if somebody were trying to break into your house. You probably wouldn't. You terrible burglar! Stealer, thief! We probably wouldn't call them names. I just don't think that was necessary. Should a Christian, however, be blocking the public library? That would be the Gordian Knot. Jimmy, would you block Pickle? I don't think so. So you hate children. (laughs) On the one hand, you want to let them run around the restaurant and destroy the place for everybody. On the other hand, you want to let him get exposed to pickle the drag queen. I'm just soaking. Got it. This is Wretched Radio. So you aren't convinced of the importance of training godly men to rightly divide the word of truth in churches internationally? Well then, we'll let Paul Washer convince you.
1: You have to support men who are elder qualified proclaimers of the word. When we support a man coming out of TMAI, we know not only that he is properly trained, but we know that he
2: will still be supervised. Would you please join tmai the master's academy international in advancing the good news of the gospel of jesus christ through expository preaching in local churches around the globe it's a magnificent ministry and it's so important please consider partnering with tmai at wretched.org pastor wretched.org pastor thank you for supporting
1: indigenous pastors around the world thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. You know what they say, there's nothing like curling up with a good book. I would like to alter that to there's nothing quite like curling up with a good resource from Wretched.org. But have you ever thought about taking that a step? further, don't worry, we're not talking about anything crazy like selling your car to fund our ministry, unless you really want to. See, we've got this amazing group of people called Gospel Partners who help us to reach millions all over the world with the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, we're not saying to you that you have to become a Gospel Partner, but it is certainly worth the prayerful consideration. Take our friend Mark for example, he recently wrote in to say, quote, your willingness to address all topics regardless of popularity is what keeps me coming back to wretched. So. Are you ready to help us tackle even more possibly unpopular topics with grace and truth? Well, becoming a gospel partner is simple and easy. Just visit Wretched.org slash donate or text the word Wretched to the number 44321. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel. I believe in a culture of life. One of the most impactful moments of my life was when I heard the heartbeat of my oldest daughter uh, in my wife's womb and then saw the sonograms
2: be in the womb when you see the form and the shape and the fingers and the heartbeat would you please consider supporting Preborn? it's a great ministry of life it has a high anthropology shares the gospel with women and with the dads preborn.org slash wretched preborn.org slash wretched important dates in christian history
0: 1738 John Wesley's conversion eventually leads to the founding of the Methodist Church. Although he had no intention of forming a separate denomination, Wesley's followers left the Anglican Communion and founded churches throughout England and America. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel.
2: Welcome to the think tank known as Wretched Radio. Jimmy, we've got a solution for the restaurant in Georgia that wants to find the parents. I think we found one. A cry room. Yep. Just get... If your kid's acting up, do what we do in church. Just send them off to the cry room, and everybody's happy. The parents don't have to pay a fine. The restaurant owner doesn't get thrust into the spotlight. And then you don't take a shellacking for saying kids will be kids. That's right. It's just a win-win, win-win, win We have a number of Gordian knots for your consideration. One that is related, I think, to Pickle the Drag Queen would be the story up in Toronto of a 50 year old man who put on a woman's speedo to participate in a uh, race, a swimming race with 13 year old girls. You're the parent, you show up at the swimming race, your daughter has been training, very excited for the day's activities and a 50 year old dude steps up to the starting blocks. Mom, dad, What are you gonna do? Dash the hopes of your child? Take them out of the race to make a statement? Do you let the daughter swim? Or do you do something else from the stands? Or do you have the right to jump up, go out onto the swim deck, and stop the whole affair and make a scene? What should a Christian parent do? I think we're all feeling this tension aren't we so much insanity and it's affecting our children we 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 do feel the need to do something is it ever right for a christian to participate in some sort of response that shuts the place down that blocks pickle the drag queen that doesn't allow the 50-year-old dude to swim with the 13-year-old girls and if so How do we do that? Can we yell? Can we make a scene? Can we point? Can we mock the people who organize it? I don't think that's necessary, but I have to confess, I don't think that it is wrong for a Christian to inject him or herself in a a respectful way and point out the absurdity of the situation and to ask parents to come together to say, this is simply not appropriate. Either all of our daughters are are going to suffer from this, or that guy has to go to the men's locker room and change and go do something else, but he's not going to be swimming in the pool. Can we do things like that i I think so. I think there's a line, and it gets a little bit tricky as to how far you push it. You know maybe when the police escort you away, you've perhaps gone too far, nevertheless. It seems that we should be able to do that for the sake of children. That would be the courageous thing. That would be the, we recognize that there are people who are weaker who need defending. That seems right. How we do it, I think, is the trick. If we get hysterical, if we call that guy names, if we call the organizers dumb for not recognizing how. Absolutely absurd! This is. I don't think that's that's Christ-like. But can we ever, in a respectful way, tip over tables? Yeah, Jesus. If we're going to follow the pattern of Jesus, his was a theological issue. Now, it wasn't a moral issue out in society. It was inside of the temple. He was concerned that his father's house was being turned into uh, just pitching stuff selling, making money off of the poor people. It wasn't a religious activity at all. He turned over those tables. Can we do likewise in our culture? Not sure we can tip over tables, but I do think that we can certainly say something. And shouldn't we be saying something at this point? Shouldn't we be somehow expressing when we're involved? Here's More to the Gordian knot. I think it's one thing if your child is swimming in that race and the 50-year-old guy comes walking out versus I've heard this is going to happen and then I go look for it. I think you might have some Christian disagreement on that, but it seems we should have the biblical authority to protect our own children, shouldn't we? Jimmy, you're at the race. Uh Uh-huh. Out comes the... 50-year-old man to swim with the girls. You doing anything about that? I,
1: I think I am.
2: Right. Do, yeah. you, do you get to call them names?
1: Uh, no, no. But I do think I go and speak to him if I can get to him.
2: You go directly to the guy? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, not to the organizers. Well, you, can you go might, straight to him.
1: Yeah, you might speak to the organizers, too, but I think he's the one with, the, with, with the, um, the dead heart. I mean, I think that's... Well, that's true. That's where you start, I think, if you can get to him.
2: If you can get to them. Yeah. Gordian knot number three, Israel's response to Hamas. You say that doesn't appear to be very Gordian-like. It seems pretty straightforward. They were attacked. They can defend themselves. And I agree with that. But if, if, not everybody is, but if you are a proponent of just war, if you recall, it is a theory that really began ancient times. Thomas Aquinas refined it. And it's not to justify war. It's to make sure that behavior in war is executed justly. And Christians have adopted, I think it was, was it Aristotle, I think, that maybe started this concept that there should be some rules to war. Basically, we've concluded five, six, seven different aspects of what makes a war just. Number one, just cause. It's resisting aggression to defend those who are under assault just intent it's to secure justice for all involved so no revenge conquest we don't go into just obliterate because hey you throw a rock at us we're going to drop a boulder on you number three last resort you try everything else number four it's got to be legitimate authorities it's got to be a government and a government number five limited goals if the purpose is peace Annihilation of the enemy or total destruction isn't acceptable. Total war, typically beyond the pale, unless one's survival or liberty is imperiled. So there's there's gotta be some limitations to what we're trying to accomplish here. Number seven, that's right, I skipped number six. Non-combatant immunity. No war can be just, which does not disqualify non-combatants as legitimate military targets. And then you've got number six. And I think that's where the Gordian knot comes in, along with number seven. Proportionality. Will the human cost to both sides be proportionate to the stated objectives and goals? So the goals and the objectives, they need to be just. They need to be reasonable. They need to be proportionate. Does the good gained by resorting to armed conflict justify the cost of lives lost and bodies maimed? Those are the soldiers. So we need to take a look at the situation that is going on. And as Christian, by the way, I am not in this suggesting anybody has done anything wrong. I'm, I'm not commenting on the details of Israel and Hamas. What I'm saying is as we watch the war unfold, If we are going to be consistent in our our values, we should be able to assess the response of Israel to make sure that we're cheering for something that is just. Here comes the Gordian knot with proportionality and non-combatants. Hamas likes to take civilians and put them in sites that they know Israel would like to destroy because they know that Israel has something of a conscience. And they don't want to do that. Then, of course, they don't want to do that. Nobody should want to do that. And ultimately, the people, if there are deaths in that situation, the people responsible certainly would be Hamas. But it is a Gordian knot to try to untie this just war theory with an enemy that puts individuals who are civilians in harm's way. Furthermore, as you start to take a look at the totaling of the deaths from the initial assault to the response it got to be keeping track of that well how do you know what number is correct richard land is actually writing a number of articles on this subject and i i think he points out the really thorny question revolves around proportionality when does the human cost of the military objective to be gained become so disproportionate it morally outweighs the military gain If, if at what point can civilian casualties override the military gains? If We, we got to take that place out, man. That's just key in this battle. But wait a second. They put 200 civilians? Ah, that's a knot. This is what Richard Land writes. The lower the goal sought, the lower the threshold at which these civilian casualties would outweigh the gains sought. If their goal, if Israel's goal in this instance is to destroy the terrorist organization Hamas to protect generations of people, then, according to just war theory and Richard Land's take on it, there there can there can be more casualties involved because it is a bigger scope that would be esteemed. Hopefully, just therefore the casualty number can go up. Sounds simple? It's not. And even as we cheer for the success of Israel. Nevertheless, if we're going to be consistent Christians, we just want to make sure as this thing is rolling along that we continue to apply what I think is a biblical just war theory. This is Wretched Radio.
1: And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. We start with news from Senator Ron Johnson, who's demanding that the FDA and the CDC disclose when they first knew the COVID vaccines could cause seizures in children. Seizure rates spiked in kids after the shots rolled out, yet the CDC still claims that they are safe and effective. Johnson sent letters requesting the info, but has gotten no response. Surprise, surprise. Well, the American Academy of Pediatrics has issued new guidelines telling doctors to promote transgender ideology and graphic sex ed. Yeah, they instruct pediatricians to affirmatively support gender transitions in kids and provide LGBTQ resources. However, experts are arguing that this approach can increase mental health issues. Yeah, I would say so. The AAP also recommends sex eds starting in elementary school which concerned many parents. Yeah, I think it concerns most parents. A British couple is trying to transfer their critically ill three-month-old baby to an Italian hospital after losing their appeal to continue life support in London. Doctors want to remove care, but her parents argue that she is stable. The European court rejected their plea to halt the hospital's plan. However, they're urgently negotiating her transfer to a Vatican-owned children's hospital. Well, an American who claims to be in a lesbian relationship is suing the country of Japan for not recognizing her, his, transgender identity and same-sex partnership. The person is... I, I don't know if this is a boy or a girl, but, but the person is arguing that Japan's absence of laws on gender self-identification and gay marriage violates their human rights. Not everybody is required to recognize that you feel the way you feel about how you feel i don't even know if that made sense but in my head it did well joy behar is in the news again and this time she's making false claims that's about all she makes false claims about ar-15 saying that they quote blow away and pulverize deer when used in deer hunting in fact many hunters use ar-style rifles responsibly for hunting Bayard's comments just show how a failure to even do a minute amount of investigation on what you're actually talking about fuels attacks on gun rights and other things. But if she would have just done one minute's worth of investigation on what she was talking about, she wouldn't have made those comments. But no, let me take that back. She probably would and still made those comments. And that's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks
0: books of the bible the book of daniel is about one man who submits to god above all else and god's faithfulness to his people in all circumstances daniel's prophetic visions teach us that god raises up and tears down kingdoms all earthly kingdoms will pass away but god will establish an everlasting kingdom this is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel.
2: So many opportunities. Hold on. Film <laughs> This is Wretched Radio. Look out! We've got a fifth Gordian knot. Jimmy, where if there's if if they get whatever the Christian radio awards are, <laughs> I'm telling you, <laughs> who else has five Gordian knots? And before we get to Jimmy's fifth knot, um, might I perhaps just echo what I hope I made clear with our fourth Gordian knot regarding Israel and Hamas and the proportionality of the response of the nation that was wickedly attacked? I was not judging Israel. I I, I wasn't stating any. I'm not thinking about the, what was it—the hospital. Uh, there was a church, and all of those details. I'm 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 not making a commentary about that. I am saying, though, as we watch a war, any war that there needs to be some biblical principles that help Christians to determine, is this something that I can support or not? That's all I was encouraging. And it ain't easy. We have to recognize that. Proportionality in war is tricky business. Making sure that somebody who flicks your ear, you don't turn around and hit them in the head with an anvil. It needs to be proportional. But even that gets dicey. Why? Because of the stated objectives. I I think Israel has made it clear. They want to wipe the Hamas off the planet. Okay, that's a bigger goal, isn't it? Than than just, hey, you hit us. We're going to defend ourselves and we're going to respond. It it kind of expands the goal. And we've got even question, okay, is that something that is good? I think it is because of the wicked atrocities that that organization has committed now for years. This isn't a one-off situation. But as we take a look at Israel's response, their determination to put an end to Hamas, we still need to ask, is that a just objective? And then how far can they go? In accomplishing that objective, when it comes to the cost of human lives, particularly civilian human lives, it's tricky business. And we Christians should be able to step back. And even though we're cheering for Israel, just be able to biblically assess. We should be able to do this in politics, too. It seems we struggle mightily these days to do that. But you got a favorite politician? Cool nevertheless should be able to step back and say uh not 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 the greatest or ooh that's a problem and it doesn't undermine our affirmation of said politician but i do believe that it makes us honest christians that we're consistent in our assessment of human behavior even with when it's somebody that we like so this was not any sort of critique of israel i'm just saying we should be willing to assess it as we go because we want to be biblical and as Christian as we possibly can even even with world events. Jimmy, during the break, mm-hmm. you however brought up a bit of a Gordian knot. We released a video last Friday, I believe, that was talking about the subject of church polity. Correct, yes. And you we started chatting about it mm-hmm. and I don't know if you intended to, but the, the the voting in of elders and deacons, right, right. I just asked your that's a guardian yeah, knot. Yeah,
1: yeah. I ask your opinion about that because I mean, different churches do things different ways, yep. and uh, and so you know, I, I can see the uh, the um, the appointment of elder or not appointment of um, deacons. I can see where deacons are nominated and voted upon. I see that in scripture. We we see that in Acts six, but for an elder to be voted upon, um, is that biblical? Um, nominated and voted upon by the congregation itself, or should other elders appoint elders to the elder board? Mm -hmm. Because you see that with Paul telling Titus, go into every city and appoint elders. Mm -hmm. That to me is the biblical model, not necessarily the congregation, the sheep saying, okay, this is who we want to shepherd us.
2: All right. But if we're going to take, was it Timothy or Titus? Titus. It was Titus. Go and appoint, oh, then I said it (laughs) <laughs> Not right. Last week, <laughs> that 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 an individual who was given authority from an apostle who had seen the resurrected Jesus Christ, which is why we don't have any apostles left these days. Paul gave that authority to Titus to appoint elders in every town. Who who's the Titus in a local church? Who who's Who's the one with the authority of an apostle who just gets to come into the church and say that guy, that guy, that guy. So technically, we don't have the exact scenario that we see in the book with, with Paul's encouragement to Titus, appoint those elders. Okay. So how then is a church to decide who gets to pick the elders? Should the elders pick the elders? Should the congregation be involved? I Honestly, Jimmy, I think what you said is, oh, that hurts. Right. What you said was right. That you see so many different churches with different takes on it because we just do are not given that sort of clarity in the Bible. And I think that's by design. Now, I will say this, I will say this. It seems that elders appointing elders comes closer to the admonition of Titus the elder appointing elders even without the authority of an apostle that 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 seems to come closer, but that doesn't necessarily mean that is now the door is shut. There should be no other considerations of wisdom, and the congregational involvement. Now, congregationalism, as we probably understand it in the context of say the Southern Baptist Convention, would be no. The congregation they vote on it, and it's the congregation's vote. Period. And they determine who the next pastor is going to be, the new elder is, is going to be. On the other side, wait on the like the opposite side of that, you've got no, the elders are going to appoint the elders. There's no congregational involvement. There are others who would say, we're going to have the elders appoint elders with the wisdom of the congregation, because it's an it's simply wise to get their involvement. So there's basically, and I'm sure there's shades in between the three major positions.
1: Yeah. So I think maybe my take, and you correct me if I'm wrong here. I uh, can't. <laughs> I just, I, I think my take is, okay, a, a, a an elder board would go to the congregation and say, all right, here's a group of five men that are under consideration to be elders, to be appointed elders. Mm-hmm. Do you know of anything that would prevent them
2: Sure, that's congregational involvement.
1: And for a period of time, you come to the elder board and say, all right, I know that this is not.
2: I you, have concerns.
1: Right. I have concerns. And from that point, they make their decision on whether they appoint. Sure. The, to me, I think that's about as far as it goes. I don't think it should. There should be a vote on it. My opinion. I, I don't know whether I'm right or wrong.
2: Oh, that was the end. That was the end. No, oh, that right. sounded like you were then going to launch into giving your exact opinion, which you believe to be correct. <laughs> no, I thought that was That's my. That's what it, I would have right. done. Okay. <laughs> uh, here's here's another one for you. What about church membership? Hmm. Is there any is there any wisdom in having the congregation involved? Now, here's this is, I'm just saying, we really we can try to paint it the way that we think is best but I don't think that any of us can be stating this. It's got to be this way. As you study church polity, you will come to the conclusion, whoa, um, we've got different, in the book of Acts, we've got different historical narratives, but, and we've got Titus, appoint elders in every town. How does that get done? Okay, church membership. Most churches, not all, but I would guess most churches have some sort of vetting process before somebody becomes a member. There are other churches who would say, show me where that's in the Bible. That before you join the church, you have to be able to check every theological box that this, that, that, where this church stands. Now, you would immediately say, but that's wisdom. Because if you've got somebody who believes in pedo-baptism, it's a credo baptism, you're just going to have a problem there. I got it. or. You discover two weeks into it, what do you mean you don't believe in the Trinity? Then you're immediately putting somebody under discipline or trying to teach them something that says there's wisdom in it, but others would counter and say, but you don't see that in the Bible at Pentecost. Peter preached, they got saved, they got baptized, that order, and they became members of the church. There does not appear to be any reporting on vetting them theologically. Is it wise? Yeah. Is it definitive? I don't. If you can find the verse that says it, then I think we would all get in line with that. So, Jimmy, I think I think that everybody in a congregation that's trying to sort it should be exceedingly gracious with one another in trying to just, if everybody's just pulling, we want to do the best we can. We want but We don't want to not be biblical, of course. We want to be as biblical as we can, but we don't want to exceed what the Bible says. So, for all seeking to serve King Jesus, we are trying to be as wise as we can. I don't think wisdom should be taken off of the table when it comes to congregational involvement. Hmm. I, uh, I think Jonathan Lehman would would have that positioned. Uh, uh, don't fire your congregation. It's not congregationalism, but it's not elder led or elder rule, as some would call it. Kind of in the the middle there, where they got some, but not all. In other words, um, a local church, rather than dividing over this, should do their best to be godly, be wise, and not throttle one another when we disagree. This is Wretched Radio. I would say the Tomorrow Clubs is a wonderful ministry. Kids are getting saved like crazy, not just in Eastern Europe, but also in Africa. And it's so efficient. I was just with Paul and Cindy Marty, and I asked, and it said, in, in American currency, how much does it cost to have a kid come to a Tomorrow Club four times a month? So every single week, what, what's the what does it take to make that happen? Ready? A buck, one dollar, that's it. The kid comes, they get treats, per month.
1: Have you ever felt like you're on an emotional roller coaster? It's okay to admit it because we've all been there and some of us are there now. Well, saddle up, buckle up, strap up, whatever it is you prefer. Just tune in to Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford. It's the podcast you quite possibly have been waiting for because it's the place where anxiety, loneliness, depression, and fear come face to face with the Bible. And don't expect Dr. Gifford to just read scripture. Now, he wrestles with it and applies it to challenges. We all face. Trust me, this podcast, it's a game changer. And it must be for me to say game changer because I loathe that phrase. But that's exactly what transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford is. It'll help you and it will empower you to help others too. You'll be throwing out biblical wisdom like you're in Solomon's court. New episodes, they drop every Saturday morning at transform.org slash podcast or wherever you usually listen to podcasts. Trust me, you'll be glad you listened.
2: If you happen to be staring down the health insurance barrel and you are groaning because you're gonna have to figure out what do we do could we change what do we get in november when it's open enrollment month that barrel can be removed because every day is enrollment day at medishare would you please call them if you're dealing with the health insurance blues <laughs> please Take two minutes out of your day and give them a call at 844-34-BIBLE. 844-34-BIBLE. If you're not familiar with MediShare, it's affordable biblical health sharing. Average family saves $500 per month. Average. Their ratings, high, Teladocs. Please check out MediShare by calling them, finding out how much your family will save, or you can visit MediShare.com slash Wretched, MediShare.com slash Wretched, where every day is Enrollment Day at MediShare.
0: Titles of Christ In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teaches us about who he is and what he has done. Jesus is called the wisdom of God. The wisdom of man says we can earn God's favor through good works. But the wisdom of God is made known in Jesus Christ, God in human flesh, put to death on the cross to grant us forgiveness we cannot earn. This is Wretched Radio
2: with Todd Friel. (sighs) Would like... Jim Ignatowski uh, would like to get to the gossip, but no, this is Wretched Radio. Jimmy suddenly voices his definitive opinion during the break regarding who should appoint elders. You believe that there is only one group that should appoint the elders.
1: I I think in the end, yeah, I think the elders... The elder board, the current elder board, should appoint new elders. Okay. Yes, I think they should vet men that they believe and they recognize are qualified. They should vet them and then they should present them to the church for the church for a, during a period of time that the church, the congregation would then come to them and say, OK, this guy is not above reproach. All right. I know this about him. I have concerns. And then at the end of that period of time, then the elders themselves decide and appoint which men will, will join them. So you're a congregationalist. No. <laughs> I just don't think there's a vote there. I don't think the congregation, they do vote
2: on deacons. I believe All right, here's, here's a, here's a question for you. Mm-hmm. Let's just say your model, we're going with that. The elders are are making the vote. What percentage of the elders need to affirm the new elder? I think it should be unanimous. What Bible verse is that? <laughs> unity in the body okay 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 unity but there's also some wisdom you can all kinds of funky things happen on elder boards with power and who stays and who goes And you got yourself a rogue and if hey if the rogue doesn't vote against himself the rogue gets to stay so it's it's just a it's a little bit tricky, right? Because there's different churches that would indeed say 100%. If, you, if we're going to call a new pastor, it has to be a new 100%. Some would say, nope, there's a percentage, two-thirds. Some say 50%. So there's varying degrees of it. And I think that it just reflects that the Bible allows for those types of differences inside of the body and jimmy you should bring your take which i uh, actually agree with to your church and contend for that uh-huh. recognizing that there are other people who have got they can make some pretty valid reasons for other for other sorts of polity and whether it's one of the trickiest parts about about church polity is the subject of wisdom it seems foolish to not involve the congregation in a decision that so involves them and they might have some like you said they might have some knowledge about the guy that the elders simply weren't aware of and it can be illuminating and super helpful so there's the wisdom component on the other hand you pick a church polity model anyway and i recognize people even disagree about these monikers but Elder rule, elder led, kind of the blended model, the Jonathan Lehman, don't fire your congregation model. And then you've got the congregationalist model. You pick the model and I can make a list of pros and cons. Now I'm telling you, they've all got pros and cons. If you've got a church polity where the elders, they, just, they make all of the decisions, it is done behind closed doors, Um, You typically have yourself some, a tendency, I'm not saying all, please note, I'm just saying there's a potential for that sort of elder board um, to not be very pastoral in their decision-making and more authoritarian, like, I'm not saying it can't be done, I'm just saying there's a propensity for that. Uh, on, On the other hand, go over to the congregational model. And all of a sudden, the congregation in this group and that faction and these uh, number of people, and then there's vying for the vote and for the... I'm just saying there's, there's pros and cons to all of these. So as we proceed with these conversations, um, you, if you disagree with some of it in, in your church, I just don't think that there is anybody who can make the, the, the declarative assessment this is the way all churches need to do it. Otherwise, they're not a biblical church. Ah, that to me. Now, that would be something where I would say, no, that's going too far. Because there's just not the specificity that is needed for that kind of declaration. And this is, I think, one of the reasons most of us so appreciate church autonomy. Now, by the, by the way, I'm very excited. I'm not going to tell you who it is. Because I, I I haven't done the research yet, but I'm kind of hopeful there's an organization. It is an association of churches. It's not a denomination. There is a statement of faith that you have to say, yep, I affirm that. But it's an association of churches that looks like it might be pretty good. I'll let you know if I can confirm that because that's nice to know, isn't it? Because these days, wow, denominations, hoofda. That's right. I said UFTA. I do not deny my Minnesota roots. Okay? So Jimmy, you have anything else that you would do? you disagree with anything that I said in that I, regard? I don't
1: disagree with anything that you said. And I, don't, I don't. That's only
2: because I agreed with you. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> you'd right. have been crabbing. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> just wrangle through it, but be careful you don't leave your church over these types of issues. Just, And if you're thinking about that, I would encourage you go get the bylaws, go find five good churches. Find a and notice well none of these are exactly identical here. There's differences about congregational involvement, elders percentages, and they're good churches. Church polity fascinating. Uh Hilda Dion, not sure that that would be one that I would choose, but Jimmy that allows us the opportunity now To gossip. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's some good stuff going on in Christendom. (laughs) It is just rife for talking about. And we're not going to because it doesn't meet the criteria that are necessary for us to have a conversation when we just have one side of the story. This is not an easy task, especially for some of us. You read a story. And there's a big one right now that there is a I'm trying to be I'm I'm not trying to be like cheeky here and violate my own gossip rule. But there's there's a big breaking story about a guy who, in my estimation, is a false teacher. And we're not going to talk about it yet. And we might never because. Not only do we need to have, I think biblical permission to talk about it, which means you need to hear both sides of the story. There has there's been a really powerful accusation made against this particular fellow, but haven't haven't heard from him yet. And so until it's somehow adjudicated, I just don't think that I have permission to discuss it as much as I might like to because this guy is a charlatan. And that's been obvious to many of us for so long. And now this story is breaking and as tempting as it might be to, huh yep, 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 see, that's what it, can't do that. Uh, you know, even false teachers have families to boot. So let it play out. I'm telling you, I think about that with that football player guy. Jimmy, do you remember his name? He was besmirched by a woman saying he was violent, abuse, whatever it was. The accusations were made. Was he baseball? I think it was a baseball player. I don't remember. And ended up getting fired. Had to go over and play in the. Or- oh, I don't even know that. That's can you? Do you call it the Orient anymore? <laughs> I don't, I'm so because people would no Orient. That's those are rugs. But you the Far East. I'm not trying to be politically incorrect. I just I just I'm ignorant regarding what the current acceptable terms are he went and played i believe in a japanese league and now it's been discovered nope he didn't too late besmirched so i'm gonna have to hold fire and even potentially hold fire when it has been adjudicated do i have anything to contribute do i have anything that's going to be helpful for anybody will it strengthen the body in any way in other words I got to have some rules of discernment here. Here's the second story. This is another pastor who has been accused of doing something really bad. It's going to court. But there's another story that's reporting. This is where it's currently at. This is the defense and what have you. And this is what he's trying to say to get off the hook. Until I know, I've got no permission to talk about this subject. I I just can't because I have not heard the other side of the story. There's 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 an there's a conversation going on around the Internet. There's a conference that's taking place and the ticket prices are really high. And there are some people are going, this is ridiculous that they're charging that much for a conference. And my response to it is, I don't know if it's ridiculous. I don't know what it includes. For all, it includes all your food, it includes your transport, your lodging. I, I don't know what are the needs that they have. Is it indeed wrong? I haven't talked to the conference organizers, so until I do, I just zip, zip, zip it because I got, I've got no biblical permission to engage in these conversations, and it's not an easy rule to follow these days because the press, including Christian press. They loved this guy. Did the, he's accused of this? This has happened. Good guy or bad guy? Until we know both sides of the story, we simply don't want to be guilty of gossip. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.